The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, Rob Davis, former Toronto City Councillor, founder of Rob Davis Associates. Amanda Galbraith is here, principal at Navigator and host of Free for All Fridays. And Toronto City Council uh, Councillor and Budget Chief Shelley Carroll is here as well. Let's start with the surprise announcement that uh, Taste of the Danforth is being called off. Shelley Carroll, my gut tells me this is a negotiating tactic, not the end of the road. Well, I'm not sure. I, I do know that uh, that I have a, a meeting booked with the uh, director of the BIA coming up, uh, but that's not unusual. Uh, uh, she really does keep in touch with all of the councillors, but it may come down to this. Uh, you know, Greektown uh, has been one of the most popular installations at Cafe TO, which is a different way of animating the street, and it's been a very high earner. We have some of that data in from last year. So it could be just an evolution of how people enjoy Danforth. Okay. Rob Davis, do you think maybe people are just sort of changing habits and that the merchants and restaurateurs are happy enough with the business they got? They don't need to throw a party? No, this has been an ongoing discussion with the City of Toronto. Back in the day when I was on the Toronto Transit Commission, uh, the Taste of the Danforth folks came and said, listen, uh, can the TTC help us out? And the TTC said, oh, no. We don't get a lot of extra ridership. Uh, and what they did was the transit staff compared ridership with Carabana and uh, and Taste of the Danforth. And, of course, uh, Carabana is the biggest ridership day of the year for the TTC. So the shenanigans around City Hall and, and what they charge and how much money they give, organizations like the Taste of the Danforth have been going on for 20, 30 years. Amanda Galbraith, your thoughts? Maybe times are just changing. Yeah, I, I think that if the Taste of the Danforth is a viable event that people want, that businesses and individuals step forward in sponsorship, I do not think the city needs to pick up the bill for this. Um, this has been a multi-year, you know, the Taste of the Danforth, we can't, we can't deal with Cafe TO and bike lanes when there are multiple other street festivals that are fully able to conduct themselves um, with those kinds of, so I just think, I can't believe, they need to get their stuff together um and if not then then that's fine and, and actually i have friends that have businesses up there and they close for the weekend because it actually doesn't really help them so some of them i know the restaurants are very helpful yeah. so um like i think if this is a viable thing people want it will proceed if not i mean the good news about this great city is it's always evolving to your point and there are lots of amazing street festivals okay so i personally experienced last night what people have been complaining about for months on king street and that is it's not a rapid transit corridor anymore. And as a matter of fact, I stepped out of a venue and there were six streetcars all backed up one after the other. And there were cars idling in front of them. So, again, yeah. I'll come back to Shelley Carroll. What's going on here? Yeah, you know, the, the uh, system of enforcement has broken down. Um, we're asking uh, uh, the, uh, you know, traffic ops and, and uh, police operations to, to start to target it again um, while we're waiting for this report. What we really need is to to either have automated enforcement, which we're going through the process of uh, getting permission for, because uh, currently you can't use automated enforcement for anything other than speed and running a, a red light. Um, you, you can't use it for turning uh, restrictions. But 
we need to get that permission to make this work. Either that, or we're going to have to make this a, you know, a right of way, like, like St. Clair at millions and millions of dollar cost. Because what's happening is so many people are, are flouting the law there that now map services have gone back because they intuit uh, where to direct you based on other trips. Map services are now directing people when when uh, Adelaide and Richmond are busy and Queen Street is busy. Your map service tells you go down and take King Street all the way through the downtown core. Um, it, it's not picking up the restriction, and so something's got to give, and it's really urgent that it does because the current traffic situation with with construction of Ontario Line beginning is such that that is a more crucial transit line than ever. Well, Amanda Galbraith, in the early months, it became fairly clear that just by creating this right-of-way or this, you know, protocol, the King Street streetcar had become like a subway. It had be, it, it ballooned in popularity, and it was making the trips, and it was reliable, and it was coming on time, and now we're back to probably worse than it used to be. Yeah, I'm actually one of those people, like, my office is at King & York, so it's right along there. I take it to get home, and... Um, you know, I have to be here at a certain time to pick up my son or I get charged like $10 a minute. So <laughs> yeah. I have to be very sure how I get here. Um, and candidly, what I do now is I walk um, east along King until I'm past uh, Young. Uh, usually either past Bay at least and usually past Young. And then you can get on and it's fine. But that part in between can take you 20 minutes and you're parked. So um, I attribute a lot of, some of that is certainly to enforcement. Some of that is just to the way the streets have been blocked um, recently. So I think that uh, we need to revisit how that's being enforced. I think if we can do automated enforcement, great. Um, but it actually is a really important thoroughfare, uh, particularly with all the construction going on. So I'd like to see them keep it, but things people need to respect the law. Okay, listen, I want to hop to some other topics here. So, Rob Davis, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, we've spent some time this morning talking about this new proposed Toronto bylaw to cut single-use plastics. And the idea is if you want things like utensils, you'll ask for them. If you want a bag, you'll ask for it and pay for it. If you don't say so, then they'll presume you didn't want them in the first place. Now, I know know that, you know, Mark Tui was expressing this idea that it was kind of like a Harry Potter spell, that they would just stand there and stare at you until you said, oh, by the way, I need I need a cup for my coke. But I don't think that's the case. No, no. Look, look, it, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, of uh, reducing the use of plastics. Um, I just don't think it needs to be mandatory. Uh, at Casa Davis, when uh, when we had the dog around, uh, we reused those plastic bags from uh, grocery stores uh, for an important purpose, and that's to keep the streets clean uh, from dog waste. So um, I, I'm not a, I, I don't know. I I'm like one of those people who sees the hypocrisy of the um, of drinking uh, a drink with a dissolving paper straw. Uh, which uh, is taking liquid out of a complete plastic cup. Um, it, it seems contradictory in some sense for people to, you know, have a paper straw, plastic cup. Uh, I know it's uh, the first step in a long journey to try to uh, uh, protect the environment. Um, we just need to have a cogent rule, something that people can follow, people that, something that people can understand, and something that actually works. And uh, I'm just not sure that the city of Toronto is equipped to do that. 
I think they're going to fumble this. I think it's not going to be a touchdown. Um, and I think there are better ways for the city of Toronto to help the environment. Amanda Galbraith, you know, sometimes I'll order food to be delivered and it arrives and they've, they've thrown these two bags of utensils in with the food. I don't need them. I had it delivered <laughs> to my house. I have a knife and fork very much. That's the kind of waste I think we're trying to clamp down on. Yeah, I do feel like most apps now, at least I use Uber Eats a lot. Um, I know this is terrible, but I should, I, I do anyway. Um, and you have to select to get utensils at most times. So like oftentimes my stuff will arrive without. I think that's some sensible you know, pieces there. I think obviously as a country, we're struggling with how to regulate and legislate this. Um, you know, the feds just fell flat on their face with uh, an attempt to ban single-use plastics. Um, I think we're all in favor of, you know, reducing waste. I, we certainly try here. We don't tend to get them when we do takeout because your point, I have lots of forks, um, but I really miss uh, straws that work and I would like to keep them. And I also miss my ba- plastic bags, which now I've got 80,000 of these reusable things that I get charged a dollar for that I think actually stay in the waste cycle longer than uh, biodegradable plastic would. So I think some sensible regulations make sense. And I'm a bit with Rob. I'm, I don't know if the city of Toronto candidly is equipped to do that. All right. Well, I'll throw, I'll throw this to Shelley. Well, you know, uh, they're, they're not wrong that it's hard for a city to do these things. There has long been a, a cooperative organization between cities. It's called the National Zero Waste uh, Strategy. Uh, city of Vancouver uh, uh, started it, but, but many municipalities are involved in it. Because what we really think is if you really want people to finally know what's what, uh, on packaging, the rules need to be national because what happens then is large manufacturers of these things know what the rules are going to be in every single province and, and people know what they're supposed to do. And and that's the thing we haven't tackled because we are such a, a sprawling nation. Smaller European nations sort of got this uh, got this figured out years and years and years ago. But in the absence of that, uh, a large uh, uh, waste producer and, and recyclables producer like the city of Toronto has to try and figure these things out. We're working together with the province now because in the new waste system, it's the province saying producers are going to pay the cost of all of this, 100%, um, and the regulations will be done by cities. And so we're trying to figure this out. But i got to say, this one's going to have a rough ride through council. It's a lot of questions about its enforceability, so it ain't over yet. It still has a, a trip through council. Elon Musk was being interviewed on stage, and he was asked about how advertisers are fleeing Twitter, and he said, oh, you can go after yourself. Amanda Galbraith, uh, you do corporate counseling and tell people how to behave in public in order to have a better brand. Uh, what do you make of this? I mean, I wouldn't work with, I, I'm thinking Elon Musk is, uh, you know, a character for our generation or whatever, but I wouldn't work with him because he's ungovernable. Like he wouldn't listen to anything he said. Uh, and yeah, I mean, like, frankly, X continues its descent into the toilet um, with, you know, further commentary on this. You saw Bob Iger kind of try and find his way out of it. But, um, you know, just like what Elon Musk did was wildly inappropriate, uh, to say the least. Um, his message to go, you know, whatever, for self to, to after he did that apology tour, um, to me, is just ridiculous. He's, you know, I think he's he's very obviously brilliant in some ways and very idiotic and irresponsible and damaging in others. And uh, I think we can see what board he is. Yeah, Shelley, there seems to be something somewhat unmoored about him. 
Yeah. And, and that's another reason for advertisers to vote with their feet. Uh, the, the business model is dropping. He's, he's allowing no filtering. But the fact that, that you've got a really uh, wild leader is, is a good reason to take your advertising elsewhere. So it's, it's not a matter of blackmail. It's a matter of making a good business decision for you know, a massive corporation like Disney with the reputation to protect. That, of course, they're leaving. Although Rob Davis, he does have his following. You know, I tweeted something out last night or X'd something, I guess. And then all these people were saying, don't tell him how to do business. He's a genius. And he freed X so we could say anything we want. Well, you know, he's mercurial, right? I mean, he, he's uh, got this. People know that he's maybe on the spectrum in terms of uh, autism. I think there's this rumor about him possibly at being uh, having Asperger's, I have a I have a sense that that plays into some of the things that he says and some of the things that he does, and maybe he's just not socially acclimatized to the way in which um, people in the corporate world want to talk and project an image. But he's been very very good for investors in Tesla. He's just been really bad for X or or Twitter or the the uh, social media platform formerly known as Twitter. Thank you all. Good to have you today. Shelley Carroll, Rob Davis, Amanda Galbraith. And next hour, we have a surfeit of city councillors today because uh, Brad Bradford is going to be here from the City of Toronto and Dipika de Merla, Mississauga City Councillor. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.